0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. One of the great things about being a music teacher and I've said multiple times on the podcast that I've taught private lessons for a very long time and one of the great things about that is that you learn so much from your students. It's it's almost like the teacher may, in fact, learn more than the student. Because I see a lot of different people. And I have for a very long time. I started teaching in 1982. I've seen a lot of students come and go. And some of them turn out a certain way and some not. And I get to... Feeling like I've I've become a pretty good predictor of how far a person is going to go with their music. And everybody, when they start, everybody, has high hopes of reaching a certain level of competence as a musician. They would never buy the instrument and sign up for lessons. Or in the case of online lessons, they would never go to the trouble to download a video or anything. They want to learn to play, but how far can they take it? How far will they go? That's always been a question. I've been fooled a couple of times. But in observing so many people do this, start at square one and try to get somewhere on that ladder of ability. Or you might say that ladder of success. And, you know, most people I could pretty quickly say, well, with some work, they would get to, you know, let's say a three on a 10 out of scale of one to 10. And other people I might go, this person's already a five, you know, I just need to get out of their way, point them in a direction and light the fuse and let them go, you know. Um, but I've, I've witnessed this so many times. So I've, I've tried to formulate in my own mind, um, a, a little better ability to predict the future for a student. And the purpose in doing so is not to say, well, look, Bob, you're only going to make it so far. And, you know, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to find their strengths and weaknesses and encourage them to work on their weaknesses so that they can take it as far as they can take it. So, I devised a little thing that I call Ranger Brad's Crystal Ball. And it is a predictor of to what level you will take your music. So, once again, this falls into the category of theory. This is my theory and a method for you to take a little, uh, do a little self examination and maybe get a handle on how far you might be able to take this whole thing of learning to play music. That's what we're going to talk about today. Brad's, Ranger Brad's crystal ball method of determining your potential as a musician. Got to come back to that because I think two episodes back, I briefly mentioned, um, one of my neighbors being attacked by a pack of dogs. And I said, I'll tell you that story. So let me just quickly, for those of you who were just dying to hear this story, uh, tell you about that. So I normally get up super early, sometimes 5.30, 6 o'clock. I like to get up while it's still dark and the stars are, you know, I can see Venus coming up and, you know, get myself oriented looking at the stars. Feed the donkeys, feed the dog, that kind of thing. So I'm often up and rambling around out in the barn at 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.30, drinking a cup of coffee, just kind of getting my mind right for the day, you might say. Well, it was, I suppose, about um, mm-hmm. close to three weeks ago. And let me preface this by saying I live on a country road. Just a long straight road and there are, you know, little homes dotted along it and farms and things like that. And you see very very few pedestrians walking up and down the road. Just not many people. There there are few people, what I would call in the community or in the neighborhood, who like to walk. There's a guy that uh, I see walk practically every day. And he walks, you know, usually about 9 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I see him walking because my dog barks. And way down there, you know, five, 600 feet away, I see the guy walking down the road with his walking stick. And what has been happening lately is the guy... He, he sort of disappears behind some trees where I can't see him, but he's approaching a mailbox for a neighbor that's on the opposite side of the road from me. And I hear those dogs start up, like five, six dogs just raising cane. And one day, I was down at the, at the front of our property, and I had a little card table set up with a bunch of tomato plants and stuff. I probably told this, that I was peddling... Basil plants and tomato plants and stuff like that. And I sat there like the the entire morning and no one stopped. No one. (laughs) Even with a sign that said free. Uh, One uh, banjo picking buddy of mine came out there and I sent him home with a bunch of tomato plants. But that day I was sitting there and that same guy came walking down the road. And I saw why he carried that big walking stick. You know, he wasn't being like Moses or something with his staff. It was a weapon because when those pit bulls come out from underneath the porch of that house and charge at him, I saw him standing in the middle of the road swinging that six foot pole, just wailing on them dogs. And they went scurrying back to the house and he went on his merry way. I've seen that guy walk many times, but he does it in the daytime. So now let me get to the story. And this makes me, I don't know, it's, I suppose it's an observation on human nature, on the different types of people there are. Like the guy that I just described, he walks down the road carrying a stick. You know, I'm that kind of guy. When I walk down, I'm going to carry a stick, or I'm going to at least have a pocket full of gravel. You know, something. But anyway... So that morning, six o'clock in the morning, I'm not expecting anybody to be walking up and down the road. Actually it was getting on toward about 6.30 in the morning. And I hear those dogs across the road start barking. I mean, Raisin Cane. And it's just a whole pack of a bunch of weirdo pit bulls. And... uh I hear them start up, and I hear somebody screaming at the top of their lungs, and what I heard were were the words, get off, get off, get off. Somebody is screaming at the top of their lungs, get off, get off, get off, and this went on for about 30, 40 seconds, and I kind of had to move around the old barn where I could cock my ear a little bit and make out what was going on down there. And I'm thinking, well, it's not somebody walking up and down a road. I mean, nobody walks up and down an old country road in, in total darkness, you know. And I, so I just figured, well, it's probably the owner. You know, the owner of the dogs has come out of his double wide. And maybe he's feeding them and they're fighting with each other. And, you know, maybe he's just yelling at his own dogs. But this just kept going on and on, and on, and on, and after about two minutes of this, I went trotting in the house, and I woke Darlene up, I said, you got to come out here on the porch and hear this, it sounds like these dogs are killing somebody, well, you know, and it sounded like a man's voice, just screaming bloody murder, oh, what do you think we should do, I don't know, I mean, like, look, I kind of hate to get in the midst of all that, you know, um, Should I call the cops, my wife says. I said, yeah, yeah, I think maybe maybe you should. Maybe they'll send the dog catcher out there, you know, is my thinking. So she comes out on the porch and you hear all this ruckus going on and this screaming. Like somebody's being killed. And then it just gets dead quiet. Well, about five minutes later, we're still standing out on the porch talking and thinking about this and wondering what happened couldn't can't see down there it's it's on the other side of some little little patch of woods and it was pitch dark you know and it was good ways away that's probably i don't know good ways you know 200 250 yards away from the porch anyway see the cop coming down the road sheriff deputy deputy's car slows down pulls in the driveway we hear the dogs barking 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 at the at the uh Deputy, but really don't see anything. Never any lights come on, or no no flashing blue lights or anything like that. And in about five minutes, he backs out of the driveway, c- goes back the direction he came. And that's the end of it. And you're probably saying, "Well, that was a that was sure a lame story. All that." So you heard some barking. Oh wow. Well, of course my wife is on Facebook, you know. <laughs> and um, by the next day, I discovered more of the story that it was in fact a neighbor who lives down the road from us not the guy i told you who carried the stick different guy i've seen him walking up and down the road a couple times too and uh you know in the middle of the day he he just sort of ignores the dogs and i i've heard him call out to those dogs like here boy you know just like not seeming not aware of the potential danger is what I'm saying. Well, here's what I heard happen. That guy decided to take a walk at six o'clock in the morning up my up my road and that pack of dogs attacked him and jumped on him and knocked him down in the middle of the road and wouldn't get off and he was screaming "Get off, get off, get off And somebody apparently was driving, You know, I I tell you, I can't see that for the woods. Somebody was driving to work or something and saw this guy in the middle of the road with a pack of dogs all over him. Stopped, chased the dogs off. The guy was bleeding. He was tore up pretty bad. Put him in the car and turned around the other way and took him to the hospital. And I think the guy is home. Well, he is fine. Um, But then it was like, well, the the local dog catcher, you know, was... uh, on vacation he was on vacation that week so nothing was done about anything anyway it just makes me wonder like the one guy that carried the stick i consider him the smart guy and the guy that walked six o'clock in the morning uh, and he knew those dogs were there you know kind of in a way i sort of think he kind of had it coming to him you know anyway so that's that story let's uh get off of that There's weird stuff like that happens all the time around here. Um, Let's hear from a listener. This is an email sent in. You remember my bonus episode nine called Do Me a Favor. And you probably remember that I got them all mixed up. And anyway, I'm back on them. Got them them all lined up and ready. So we're going to hear from a fellow listener. This is a, a guy named Andrew. Dear Brad. I listened to your bonus episode, do me a favor. I've been listening since episode one. I think I just happened to find your podcast right after you published your first episode. I have since heard every episode, even the ones that didn't deal with instruments I play. Although I admit, I didn't make it all the way through the Sounds of Nature episode. Let me interject here. I happen to think that was one of my better episodes back to andrew's email i purchased the complete learning system for mandolin and thank you for pouring your knowledge into those materials and thank you andrew Uh, that's a lot of stuff any of you mandolin players scope out my complete learning system or better yet you want to save some money go for the treasure chest anyway continuing with andrew's email I'm from a suburb of Detroit, but I'm not a native Michigander, and have been been here since 2005. I'm 46 and have been teaching myself the mandolin since 2014. I've had a guitar since 2005 and took lessons for about six months, but haven't really played it a lot uh, until about the last year or two. I consider the mandolin as my primary instrument, although I really enjoy playing the guitar as well typical bluegrasser. Well, he didn't say bluegrass, but I'm assuming he's a bluegrasser if he's listening to this show. I you know, I've suggested that people, you know, dabble with more than one instrument. Because the thing you may be so intent on doing might not be the best thing for you. You know, you might be the world's greatest oboe player and you just don't know it. Back to Andrew's email. I'm left-handed and my first mandolin was a Stag that's with 2G's A style bought from Amazon for about 125 bucks. Despite its quirks, which included the sticker inside the instrument stating it was a handmade mandoline built in China, it did the trick and a year later I was putting a down payment on a left-handed F style built by Audie Ratliff in Tennessee. It's a beauty. He's already got the sickness. But, moving up to a better Madeline, I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever played a ratlift, but I've heard of them. Um, anyway, back to his email. I always enjoy listening to your podcast. I thought your podcasts on microphones and running sound were really interesting, since I really knew nothing about either of these topics before hearing your podcast. Keep up the great work, and yes, there is someone listening On the other side of the microphone. Take care, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. And again, to all of you listening now, if you've already sent me an email, it may be in the stack for a future episode. But if you haven't, I'd like to hear from you. So go listen to Bonus Episode 9, and it explains the whole deal. All right, now let's get to the topic. Ranger Brad's crystal ball and... Subtitled, Why I Think I Know How Far You Will Go in This Musical Endeavor. This is going to require a bit of imagination on your part. You know, if you don't have a good imagination, see here, I'm working from a chart that I prepared. You know, it's a single page, and if you're looking at it while I'm talking, this will be a whole heck of a lot easier for you. But you may be one of those people that is able to visualize things perfectly well in your mind. Fine. You can listen and maybe go look at the chart later. Or you could get a pencil and paper and sort of draw the chart as we go. But I'm going to make it real simple for you. What you can do is go to the Grasstalkradio.com website. And you will be presented with a list of all episodes. Go way down near the bottom. Should be, I think, number GTR 171. It'll say Ranger Brad's Crystal Ball. That's the title of this episode. Click that link and you will see the show notes page. That Hopefully you are familiar with the show notes page. When you get there... I'll have a little link where you can just click it and download a PDF that shows this chart. So for the people who are artistically challenged in drawing a little square graph chart, or you just want to have it, um, that's where you get it. Go to the show notes page for this episode, and you can just download a little PDF that I put together. So now I'm going to describe this, first of all. And what I want you to do is visualize a square. Imagine it's sort of like a checkerboard, but it is five squares across the top and five squares up and down. So it's a five by five grid or checkerboard. Across the top, if you were drawing this, just draw a square and then draw one, two, three, four lines, dividing it into five parts, vertically and horizontally. So you've got a five by five grid. Then, across the top, write the word GIFTS. G-I-F-T-S. So GIFTS. And then on the left side, vertically, write the word efforts. E-F-F-O-R-T-S. So we're going to be combining these two parts, gifts and efforts. And under gifts, across the top, just write 5-4-3-2-1-0 at each line. And on efforts, at the top, put 5, and the next line down 4-3-2-1-0. Like I said, this is a whole lot easier. If you'll go get that PDF, just hit pause and go get the PDF. Then come back. Okay, it'll be a whole lot easier. Now, if you're looking at the chart, you will also see a, diagonal, a series of diagonal lines running from the top left down all the way to the lower right. And those are... The zones that a person will fall in. For example, if under gifts you're a three, and under efforts you're a two, or let's say a two and a half, you fall into this band that I have labeled regional good picker. So there is a there are ten categories that you could fall into based upon your score, your score for gifts and your score for efforts. So let's say you're you're a gift. Your gift score is five and your effort score is five. That puts you in the master category all the way at the other end of the scale. If you're a zero in terms of gifts and you're a zero in terms of effort, you are what I call a no talent bum. So let's talk about those 10 categories, first of all, and then we'll get to the questions that will help you determine where you fall and where your potential is for the future. And let me state this, too. Being, you could be a master musician and a complete total jerk. You could also be a musical no-talent bum and be the most wonderful human being on the planet. So this scale, this whole crystal ball is not, it only measures Potential musical success. That's all it does. It doesn't rate you on any other category. Like, are you a lovable, caring human being? I could make one for that too, but I didn't in this case. So just bear that in mind. It's okay to be a no-talent bum. Let's look at the 10. I'm just going to work from the bottom to the top. This is where you potentially will, let's say, your destination for the future. Because you may not be there yet. I mean, everybody starts out as a (laughs) no-talent bum. Well, maybe not. But this is, you know, after you've put in a few years. And you've been been working at it. And you're taking lessons. You're learning. You're going to jams. You maybe got into a little band. And you're working your way up that ladder of ability and success musically. Here are the ten sort of like landing zones that you might end up in. One is no-talent bum. And I showed this to my wife, and she said, I don't think you should call people a no-talent bum. But I said, well, it's the exact description of what I'm talking about. Before, well, Let me back up a little bit. Before I discuss the 10 potentials for you as an individual, let's talk about the, the two big main categories. Gifts. The gifts are the things that you don't have to work for, that you had no control over, that happened by pure chance. That could be a variety of things. It could be how much innate, natural musical ability were you just born with. That's a gift. You didn't have to do anything to make that happen. Another potential gift, and we'll talk more about all these different types of gifts um, in a minute. Another type of gift might be the musical environment you grew up in. You know, if you were raised in a home with absolutely no music around you, you're not as gifted as someone who is magically born, you know, I always say you don't get to pick your parents. You're born into a household that is just full of music and a love for music. That's a gift to you. You didn't have to do anything to make that happen. Okay, so that's the gifts and the efforts. That's all those things like practicing, willingness to learn, willingness to work with others, and so on. So if if you have the maximum gifts, consider yourself lucky. But that still won't get you all the way. Because there are plenty of people I've run across who, in the scale of giftedness, are pretty darn high. But some of those people are not willing to put in any effort, maybe simply because they're not interested. And I'm not criticizing, not you know, drawing conclusions of their entire person, only their musical abilities. I've seen a lot of students come along, that I thought really had some gifts and natural talent, and they never amounted to anything because they simply basically were lazy, and which equates to not really interested in trying to get to the top of that ladder. I've seen the opposite, too. I've seen some people who very questionable in terms of gifts, and by that, maybe they they just weren't around, in my case, bluegrass music at all growing up. Maybe they just, you know, not born into, it. you know, they weren't, their, their daddy wasn't Del McCurry, you know what I mean? And they don't know anybody who plays bluegrass. They never heard it. You know, they're just kind of in a vacuum. So maybe they're kind of low on the gift scale. But in terms of effort, some of those people, you know, it out 100% and they move way up the chart because of their efforts. The things you do have to work for. So your gifts are the things you didn't have to work for. And the efforts are the things you do have to work for. So now let's go back to the, the diagonal scale if you're looking at the chart. Lower right the no talent bum. And why do I say that? Because no talent means they didn't have any of those gifts. So they're a zero in terms of gifts. And they're a bum because basically a bum is a lazy person that you know just doesn't like to work that that is my definition of what a bum is so if you're you have nothing in terms of musical gifts and you're lazy you're a no talent bum and some of these people still from time to time you know appear on the scene and want to learn to play an instrument but they usually last about four weeks you know and they get over it. they realize it requires too much work you know uh, moving up that scale of the what you might say your destinations, right above the no talent bum, we have the hack. The hack. It's what I call a hack. They got a little, little bit more. They put a little bit more work into it, but not much. You know, they're cool with playing the same ten songs over and over and over and over and over. I, in fact, I might be considered a hack on the fiddle, because I, I think my tune list is maybe up to eight or ten tunes and i've been scratching away on a fiddle uh, for uh, since the mid-70s and i don't get any better i mean i'm a hack on the fiddle not exactly gifted in terms of the fiddle i have other gifts you know um, that have helped me play a little better but basically when it comes to a fiddle I've been very lazy about it. I just maybe didn't like to hear myself play. Anyway, hack is the about as low as you can go without being a no-talent bum. If you go above the hack level, it's what I call the flammer. And a flammer is a person. He's better than a hack because a hack is still asking you what that chord is, you know, and You know, maybe some maybe some hacks have been playing for fifteen years and still can't remember how to make a D minor chord. (laughs) You know. Whereas the Flammer, he's learned a little bit more, put a little more work into it. If you're looking at the chart, you see that you could be a zero gift and put in about a three in terms of effort, and you'd be a high ranking flammer, you know? And I love flammers. Flammers, well, I don't love people that flam, you know, just banging on their instrument, but you know, these folks, they're better than the hacks and, uh, you know, they're fun people to be around, you know, but they're, they're only a three on that one to 10 scale in terms of how good they are. You know, then if you move up beyond the flammers, which you might even call those sometimes the jammers, uh, if you go from no talent bum to hack to flammer, the next level is a pretty respectable goal for, I, I, wish most of, I wish that most of my students could achieve that. And it's what I call a local decent picker. They're not on tour. They're not playing a six-state area. And they never will. But they're pretty decent. They're pretty good pickers, you know. And they could move to the next level with a little more work and a little more effort. Put in more effort, you can go farther up this chart. So I have a lot of respect for your local decent picker. Because, you know, that local decent picker may also be a tremendous auto mechanic. Or a computer programmer. Or a dentist. Or, or, or. So maybe they are a master at something, but it's just not this. But there is no shame in being a local decent picker. When I have a jam session out here in the barn, that's who I want to show up. The more local decent pickers I have, the happier I am. And the fewer hacks and no-talent bums, the happier I am. You see what I mean? We're moving up the scale. Well, with a few more gifts or a little more work, you could move to the next level, which is just beyond the halfway point. And that's what I call, a, it's just below that halfway point. It's called the local good picker. I mean, this is the people that all the pickers around go, that guy's good. Man, that gal can really play that thing. You know, they're in the upper echelons of the local picking scene. That's a local good picker. And many of those are also in bands. By that time, they're probably in, you know, doing some sort of performing in a band, not just jamming, but they'll go to jams, they go to festivals, and they also form bands. Now you move past the halfway point and into the regional good picker. And that's the local good picker who is stretching out, you know, has got a band now, because you're not going to play bluegrass solo. So you've formed a band, and the band is doing all the things necessary to be regionally liked. You know, like hitting festivals in neighboring states, traveling around a little bit. And you're still a local good picker, but now you're a regional good picker. By the way, every time I say picker, I include singing in that as well, and fiddling. And I'm just using it instead of musician. All right, moving up. From regional good pickers, you have the regional great pickers. Because if you take all the regional pickers and bands, and we're now into the band area, some of them are going to be better than others. Well, the ones who are better than others either put in more work, either individually and as a band, or they simply had more gifts thrown their way through no effort of their own. And that does occur. I mean, there's some people who are truly blessed. You know, growing up in a certain area, my granddaddy played the fiddle. Uh, you know, you get what I'm saying? And some people don't have those advantages. So, you're moving up the ladder. A regional great picker, which is generally means you've got a band that's playing regionally. I think that's about where I topped out. 27 years playing with Cedar Hill and... Many years broken into three different time periods playing with Pony Express. I'm, I'm not saying I was great, but I would say our bands ranked there in terms of a regional band, you know, playing a few few different states. We just shy of you know the next step, which is going pro, not just part time in it. So you're moving up, regional good picker, regional great pickers and bands pro side men and you could say slash pro bands you're moving way up you're getting up there now the next one would be what i would classify as a top professional which can include some stars as well practically everybody that you have bought a record from or have paid more than 20 bucks to watch a performance of is probably a top professional possibly with some pro side men and women in their group and then way at the top even above the top professionals are the masters and they are in a, in a very small class there are not many masters but you know who they are you can You can probably name them. And there's some gray area there. You know, some people are masters of entertainment and some are masters of band management and self-promotion and rehearsals and recordings. And some are masters of their particular instrument. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into this. But somewhere when you start playing, where do you want to be? Where do you want to end up? So let's, let's now look. Here are the questions in how to score yourself. What I want you to do is I'm going to list off six things that are under the category of gifts, those things you didn't have to do any work to obtain. Number one, and, and write down a score of zero to five. And you might even want to have a calculator handy at the end of this. So you're going to rate each of these things On a scale of zero to five. Five being the most. First, natural musical talent. Rate yourself. How much musical talent do you think you have? Now, of course, you could be completely wrong because you may not be the best judge of your own musical talent. But you get a little feedback from people. You know, if your Aunt Helen, when you were five years old, always had you come out and sing, you know, or play the piano for... You know, Uncle Fred, that aunt recognizes musical talent or the teacher or someone's encouraging you. I think you should join the band or, you know, just rate your musical talent. Where do you think you fall on a scale of zero to five? Write that down for number one. Number two, you could have a lot of musical talent, but you could also be gifted physically. I've seen people pick up instruments and it just seems real natural for them. Hold a fiddle? It doesn't seem weird to them. They just seem like they're made for it. And they seem to not have too much difficulty convincing their fingers and arms and hands and all that to do what they're asking. And I've seen other people just struggle and struggle and struggle. So that struggling person would probably have a lower scale, a lower grade... Of natural physical skills regarding playing and singing, you know, if you can't carry a tune in a bucket and you sing out of tune, you would possibly have a very low score there. But of course, you might be the world's greatest uh, bass player or something physical. So just rate your physical scale zero to five. Third thing under gifts your musical environment as a child, because I think that is so important and you can't do anything about it. You're just given the childhood that you're given. You don't have a lot of input into your own childhood. And yet it's so important. It truly helps to form what you can be in all areas of life. So how gifted were you in having a musical environment around you as a child. Now, as an adult, you can create your own musical environment. You could start listening to a lot of music. You can go to concerts. You can, you know, follow bands around, go to jam sessions, go to... F- you can create your own musical environment later. But if you had it as a child, I consider that a, a gift to you that will put you farther up that ladder without any effort on your part. You know, you just got lucky, you know. Think about Del McCurry's Boys. If their father wasn't Dale McCurry, they would have had a little rougher time making it to the level where they are today. And they're fabulous. But don't you think it's a little easier when you're in that environment? So rate yourself there. How would you rate your musical environment as a child? Zero all the way to five. Next thing, supportive people around you. And that's kind of like the one I just said, but if you've got, you know... If your father is a drunk and all he does is yell at you to put that stupid banjo away or, you know, whatever. What I'm saying is if the environment you're in is not supportive, it's going to put you lower on the scale. So just think about that. How supportive have people, the people around you been, even if they're not musical, but they see it in you and they encourage it and buy you instruments and help you get lessons and things like that. How do you rate that? How much support did you get? Zero to five. All right, the next thing is your inborn desire. I just say desire to do music, play music, sing music. If you don't have much of that, and I don't know that it can be instilled in people, I think you either have it or you don't. I think I had a little bit of that, but I also had this kind of, warped desire to entertain. You know, I I like the getting up on stage and the, uh, that side of it and putting on a show, you know, things like, um, anyway, rate your inborn desire. And I included also positive attitude because I swear there's some people that just seem to be born with a chip on their shoulder. Maybe that is, you know, formed somewhat by their environment. You know, I'm sure it is. Or maybe, you know, maybe some people just naturally got up on the wrong side of the bed. So if you have a positive attitude and you have an inborn desire to make music, even if you don't have all the rest of the things, rate yourself pretty high there. You know, you got a lot of desire to play music. Give yourself a five for that. All right. Number six there is. Do you have a natural love for people and a curiosity about people? And it doesn't seem like this may have anything to do with music, but I added this sixth item because I think it's very, very, very important because music is about performing. If nobody's listening to what you're playing, what's the point? I mean, I know you can, you can amuse yourself playing music, you know, you can do that. But if you have a love for other people, then you're going to have the desire to play good music for other people. And if you're curious about other people, it will help you shape your music so that they like it instead of maybe they hate it, you know, because you got to understand what what people enjoy, you know, how loud, how fast, what kind of songs, you know. Um, But if you have that natural love for other people and curiosity about people and how they behave, I think you'll also... Have a curiosity about yourself. And you can learn a lot about yourself by being curious about other people and how they think and behave. Anyway, rate yourself there. So now you've got potentially all fives there. What I want you to do is then average those. So add those those six items together, maximum score there of five times six, and then divide by six so that you get an average. Maybe you're a 4.2. Or something. Okay, and then that would be where you would rank on the horizontal scale and draw you a vertical line right there. Now let's talk about work. Because gifts are great. I mean, I love when somebody just gives me a gift. I didn't have to work for it. Wow, that's great. You know, somebody gave me a bag of beef jerky. I didn't even have to pay for it. It was amazing, you know, as a gift. Those are great, but, you know... You don't always get the gift. So let's talk about the thing you can change and you certainly can change this. So where you, this is the one area here where if you score very low in, in the efforts area or work area, you can fix that. You certainly can't. So let's talk about each of those, just rate yourself. Item one, willingness to learn and understand things you do not know. You know, I've run across students who blank out when, when the subject of any kind of music theory comes up. Or I think, you know, I'm suggesting that maybe they consider learning some, to read standard notation. If they have a willingness to learn and understand these things they don't know, they will go farther. So rate yourself there. Willingness to learn and understand things you do not know. Number two. Determination to practice and study. Because... It's physical and mental. How willing are you to put that work in? Rate that. Zero to five. Next item. Desire to do your best and not accept half good results. You know, I guess it's a scale of like, how do you rank as a perfectionist? How? And with, you know, you should be realistic about this too. Perfection is a, is uh, practically impossible. But it if it's your goal, then you're more likely to achieve it. You follow me? Like if I set up an archery target and I'm shooting, I want to hit that bullseye. How much do you want to hit the bullseye? I'm not saying how much do you hit the bullseye. But if you're one of those people that is perfectly content for the arrow just to land somewhere in the hay bale, and then you're done then you wouldn't have a desire to do your best. The, you, you want to make that second arrow split the first one in half. You know, If you have that desire to do your best and not accept half good results, you will go farther up this scale from no-talent bum to master. And I don't want you to be a no-talent bum. All right, the next item under work and effort is your desire to make and contribute to great music rather than a reasonable facsimile thereof in other words how badly do you want to really sound good individually or as a group and you may not get to where you want to be but how much are you willing to put in to try to get there and or are you just willing to are you willing to crank out a cd that you know, kind of got some crappy covers of Flatten & Scruggs records and you don't really care, you know, that it's not all that darn good. Or are you going to try to make it the best you can possibly make it with your resources available and your talent and your fellow musicians, etc.? I'm not saying every recording has to win a Grammy or anything like that, but at least within your world, can you at least try to do the best you can? Okay, so, rate that one. Desire to make and contribute to great music rather than a, well, let's just say not so great music or good music or average music or so-so music. If you have a higher desire there, you will go farther up this ladder. Number five, your ability, and you might say willingness, to be in for the long haul. Will you put in the time? Because... Very, very few people, I would say none, have ever been a master at anything when they didn't put a lot of time into it. Time is part of it. Maybe, you know, there are those oddities. You know, they say Mozart, you know, playing at age five or whatever. not talking about those. It requires time. Are you willing to put in the time? So that's number five, rate yourself. And it could be that well, how much time do I have available? Maybe you're running a business and have 16 kids and, you know, you just don't have the time. Well, that's going to hurt you in terms of going up that ladder, but it, you, you can make up for it with other things. Okay, number six. And this is kind of like that natural love and curiosity about people which you're gifted with. Well, how about if you weren't gifted with that, your willingness to work with... And relate with others to, you know, to get along with people and to work together for common goals, both above and below your skill level. Because it's it's very easy to find people above your skill level when you start out. Everybody's above your skill level. So you got to learn how to work with those people, work with your teacher, work with the, the band that's thinking about maybe letting you play mandolin with them. Um. So you got to learn to relate to those people above you. But as you move up that ladder to your ultimate destination, wherever it may be, maybe regional great picker, you also have to be able to relate successfully to the people below you who are following you, who are coming up that ladder potentially, or just flat out members of an audience. So rate that. And are you willing to work at that to become better at working with and relating to other people this communication skills and friendliness and uh, goal setting and uh, delegation of responsibilities. And, you know, it's all those sorts of things that really, really, really come into play when you begin to form bands, even if they're just local little part-time bands, you play three times a year type bands, or if you're, you know, Uh, been asked to perform in a, you know, some kind of regional or, or worldwide, you know, anywhere along the scale, that ability is super important. So rate yourself again, you'll have a maximum there of 30 and then divide by six and you'll have your score and draw a horizontal line across the grid and where those two lines intersect is where I think you're, future potential landing zone, uh, will be. And it's, you know, when you look at those 10, it's perfectly okay to say, well, the odds of me being a master, you know, one of those like 25 people in the world, it's pretty small, but what about top professional? Maybe, 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 professional sideman even for you know parts of your life or and and by the way this this could be in other areas it could be in in songwriting it could be in recording you know like there's some really super good musicians who later kind of became producers and recording engineers and things like that so this same sort of methodology of comparing your gifts what you might call the raw materials that you can't really do anything about with the efforts which you might consider to be perhaps the word craftsmanship so let's think if you want to let's let's apply this idea to instruments let's say i give you a pile of wood to make a mandolin out of the higher quality of wood that I give you as a gift, and you're going to build this mantling, the more likely that you will build a master level instrument. You know, how much flame does it have? Is it the right species? Does it have cracks in it? Is it, you know, did I give you just an old pine board with a big old crack in it and some nail holes? And I said, make me a fiddle out of this. The higher your raw materials that you're handed, the higher the potential is for the greatness of the end-resulting instrument. But I could also take the best, the most perfect tone wood, curly maple, ebony, and I could wreck it (laughs) in the efforts area, the craftsmanship. You know, there's been a lot of good wood destroyed by people building their first instrument really good wood, wrecked, one miscut, one stupid mistake, one, you know, you can work at becoming a better craftsman even with lesser quality raw materials. I think that uh, mandolin that um, Andrew was talking about in the email, you know, if you buy a $125 mandolin, their, their methodology, more or less, is the same as the $400 one. You know, it's just different wood, you know, crumbier wood, you might say. So it's, it's very similar to this. If you've got good raw materials at your disposal just handed to you, you can make a better end result if you apply the work and effort and craftsmanship to the process. But you could be somewhere in the middle. You know, that's a half-decent uh, set of uh guitar backs and sides and top you know it's, it's okay it's grade b or something and you're a pretty good guitar maker well you're going to end up with a you know decent guitar but if you're a really good builder you'll end up with a better one and if you are a really great builder and you have super raw materials you're going to end up building master quality instruments OK, so this the same kind of logic can be applied to all sorts of things, whether it's, you know, raising kids or starting up bands or running a business or like like tools. Think about tools. If, if you go to some flea market and you see a set of screwdrivers or maybe a, a socket wrench set and it's like 10 bucks for a 48 piece socket wrench set and you look at them and the effort that went into manufacturing them is appears very good they're all machined just they look exactly like that set your father bought at Sears back in 62 they look identical but the raw materials aren't any good it's crummy steel and you You use one, the first time you use it and put a little too much pressure on it, the thing splits, the socket splits. Or you've had that screwdriver, looks like a perfectly good screwdriver. And you go to use it and the handle crumbles in your hand. Well, that's crummy raw materials, perhaps equal craftsmanship. But if you have high quality raw materials, that's those gifts, and high quality craftsmanship, you end up with master level tools. The ones you got to buy off that van when the guy comes around. So this this sort of logic can be applied to a lot of things. But just just remember the gifts, those are the things you can't do anything about. So what does that tell you? Put your efforts into the things you can do something about. Those are the efforts. You have only yourself to blame for those. Of course, you could blame other people for your lack of gifts, maybe. You know, like... If my mother was more musical, maybe I would be more musical. You know, you could you could do that kind of logic. But you can't change it. You can change the effort side, the vertical scale of this thing. So you want to get up there very high. You know, you have the chance to make it beyond the no-talent bum and the hack and the flammer. At least work towards being a local decent picker and a local good picker and a regional good picker. At least get there. And you will have beat... of the people who ever showed up knocking on the door wanted to take lessons. You'll be way ahead of most people. Most people don't make it very far up the ladder. So that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And again, if you listen to this whole thing, without the benefit of the little sheet, um, go get the sheet. Just go to grasstalkradio.com. Slide all the way down to the Ranger Brad's Crystal Ball episode. Click that. And there will be a link so that you can see the chart. And it. Uh, you might want to show it to some other people, too. Especially if you're a teacher, you might want to consider just sitting your students down and handing them this and going through it a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the things I've noticed, too, is that sometimes people aren't very good at, at grading themselves on things. It's... Um, some people naturally underscore themselves in certain areas. Like I might think my son Jackson is incredibly talented musically, but he might not think so because of some comment, you know, a teacher said to him, like, why are you playing that noise or something? You know, and he's, he, you know, so sometimes as a teacher, if you're helping anyone else learn to play, it might be good to go through this together with them and you might, be able to recognize and point out some things about them that they don't see for themselves. So feel free to spread it around and use it with other people too. And if you have any suggestions in the future of how I might modify this to be more useful, uh, just shoot me an email. Anyway, hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I hope you liked the uh, Rob Ikes interview. That was fun. I got uh, a couple of other similar things coming up here in the future. So y'all stick around and come back. And last thing, just so that my wife doesn't say, well, you forgot to mention the website. Let me mention my own website. You can always go to bradleylaird.com, stroll around, take a look at all the free lessons and materials and all that kind of stuff. And you will also find my videos, courses and eBooks for sale. Some of them at heavily discounted prices for you to download and get busy working on the efforts here and last thing thanks everybody who has become a patron of the show over at patreon.com slash bradley laird just go there and there's some nice freebies on there for anybody who signs up appreciate you patrons too i guess that's it i've pretty much wasted an hour of your time so i'll be back to uh do do it again uh, very soon. Y'all take care. Harvey Johnson's ship sailing true Somewhere on the seven seas Harvey Johnson sails across the blue Somewhere in on his dreams Harvey Johnson's ship sailing true Seas, Harvey Johnson sails across the blue.